Welcome to the Week 12 Recap Show for the Cover Zero Podcast. I am your host tonight, Jordan, joined by Jay. How are you doing, bro? I'm doing good, bro. Doing good. Ready to get these, these football games out the way, this recap. How was your Thanksgiving weekend? It was great, bro. It was great. I got to see some family members I haven't seen. I don't know how long, man. You know, and, that, and that's a, that's the most important thing when it comes down to Thanksgiving. I mean, obviously the eating and all of that. You know what I'm saying? But when you get to see family you haven't seen in a long while, especially if they live out of state, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean a lot to me. I'm a big family dude. Yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving was dope. It was a crazy weekend for me. Uh, a little different tradition, but a great a great weekend nonetheless. I even uh, found myself at the Civil War game. Oregon and Oregon State, the the last one on the books uh, for at least for now. We'll see with all the conference realignment, how that gets organized. But yeah, I hadn't hadn't been to a duck game since uh, 2019, since before COVID. So that was real dope. Oregon won, ran on the field. Yeah, it was pretty cool. What you think of Bo Nix, man? What you think? He one of them dudes or what? I mean, he's a exceptional college quarterback this year and has been with the Ducks. But when it comes to the next level, I mean, we got a lot of. A lot of things there in, in place for him right now. I don't. He's he's going to be in the in the finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Right. I wouldn't give it to him. I, I I wouldn't really give it to him. I think uh, numbers wise, Jaden Daniels with what he's done this year, that's kind of the type of person that tends to win the Heisman. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it all spoils out. I don't think sure he's he's one of the best Oregon quarterbacks that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and that that much I, I've. I never thought I'd be saying that about him, considering that his first ever start, I actually saw when he played against Oregon when he was with Auburn. So I never thought that we'd be in this position, let alone him being a duck, but being this good. So, yeah, I really respect his his improvement that he's had. Love what he's doing for the squad right now. Uh, the Washington uh, Huskies, who we're about to play next week for the Pac-12 title. They're looking a little shaky on that one. They don't they don't want to they don't want to see us again. But hey, I, I know they want that title, so they got to go through us to get it. So. It's on. It's on. It's on. Definitely. As everyone listening, or if this is your first time listening, on our Sunday recap shows, we look at the good and the bad, the things that caught our attention on either side of those coins. And tonight, we're going to kick things off with our What's Going On. Oh, wow. Is them again? (sighs) Cover Zero. Nice to hear from you again. This is the NFL Executive Office. How can I help you today? What? I, I just have one question. And what is your question? What's going on? What's going on? Jay, who's yours? I got to start with Derek Carr, bro. Actually, that is my only what's going on today, man. It's really Derek Carr. You know, when he first went to the Saints, you know, we talked about the Saints having probably the best chance to win because of him being the best quarterback in the division. And it just hasn't looked that good, man. You know, um, and even it's crazy because – what was it, two weeks ago when we did our playoff projections, I took the Saints out because I thought Derek Carr was going to be out a little bit because of the shoulder or whatever, and he came back and played. But, you know, it was just pretty much the same of what we've seen all season, and that's what's been disappointing. I mean, I thought for sure they would beat Atlanta, you mm-hmm. know, because Atlanta's been – they just they, – they, they've been terrible, you know, at the quarterback position, the play calling, like you brought up on your uh, – what's going on a few weeks ago. But, you know, the, the, the Saints couldn't take advantage. And you've got to point at the quarterback and the offensive reasoning why. Because the Saints' defense is solid, bro. I mean, they get stops. You know, the Saints – and the crazy thing is what's, what, what sucks about the Saints is they got talent. They have – their offensive line's a little shaky. They got wide receivers. They got a running back. They got a solid play caller and Pete. They know how to get to the red zone. 
They just can't get into the end zone, which is the mm-hmm. same issue Derek Carr was mm-hmm. having with the Raiders yep. before Josh McDaniels got there. Right. So, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty much the same thing today, you know, and, and Carr holding on to the ball a little bit too long. Some of the things we seem as Raider fans, we're seeing with the Saints. So it's really mm-hmm. no different. Uh, you know, he, his completion rates are normally pretty good. But, you know, I mean, no touchdowns, one interception. The interception he threw was a dumb interception. I mean, you, you, he literally locked his eyes on one wide receiver. And he it caused to be, yeah, caused to be picked off by one of the guys I'm going to be talking about today. So, yeah, Derek Carr is uh, – he's definitely my what's going on for today. It's – I went back and I watched about – I watched a good portion of his, of his snaps in that game. And even during the morning window, I was jumping back to that game just to kind of see because uh, early on, Chris Olave was, was getting loose. Yeah. And I have him in a fantasy matchup today, so I was watching it a little bit for that. But there was, there was a couple of, of, of third downs where, just, just like you had said, Things us Raider fans got so tired of seeing with him. Right. Third and eight. Derek Carr going to throw it four yards, three yards past the line, five yards short of the sticks. Yeah. Guy tries to make something happen and he gets tackled. Oh, time to go punt. Right. Like, there's things in his game that have always been there yep. that just don't seem like they're ever going to change. Nope. And it's sure he got rid of, he got back to, you know, being able to push the ball downfield a little bit more, being more willing to do that. The last couple of years, he was even with Vegas. And he's done that somewhat there in New Orleans this season. But when you're down multiple scores and you're trying to amount a comeback, you got you to score points a little bit more quickly than you normally would. You still don't see Derek Carr playing with that sense of urgency. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, you see him still playing it like it's 0-0. Zero, zero, yeah. You know, just – Like he got another down. You yeah, know, like most, gotta, I mean, he, he does, but it, it's not – you you want like you said you want to play with that urgency because although you have another down that's not a guarantee that mm-hmm. that opposing offense is not going to go up there and score. Right. So yeah, you got to have that urgency. That was a good point. You got to have that urgency, and maybe when you're down a couple scores, take a chance that you might not otherwise take because you need scores quickly. And if you just methodically move the ball down the field, get yards, get to the red zone again, and maybe you squander it away there like he has like he's done for you know too long. These these things aren't the recipes for winning football, and it just seems like that is something that he refuses to do differently. And so, and and now he's in a spot where yeah, he can play indoors. Cold weather has always been something that's been a problem of his, right. and we're seeing other issues still arise with him. So that makes sense for today. That makes sense for today. My what's going on? I got the Cleveland Browns today. Cleveland Browns lost to the Broncos 29 to 12 today. They were only underdogs and going into this game by two point, two point underdogs. Very, very close game. They said they went and lost by 17. And this game was like score wise in the third quarter. It was still like kind of anyone's game. I think it was a two point game in the, in the third quarter, midway through it, but it didn't feel that way. Right. It never felt like it was close. Right. So if you're, the Browns, Kevin Stefanski, run first oriented coach. That's his MO. Deshaun Watson is not active at quarterback. We had talked about that with his surgery, what he's needing to have happen, just as he was starting to find some life and maybe a little tiny bit of chemistry with them. So they were starting Dorian Thompson Robinson, the rookie. And you're going against this Broncos defense that to this point in the season, they've improved lately, especially defensively, but they are still a defense that has had its struggles against the run. And if you're the Browns, you're a team that likes to establish the run. 
You found something in Jerome Ford. People maybe haven't known who he is for a while, but that dude got some juice. Kareem Hunt still a solid running back as well. That's something that's been able to at least keep the Browns, you know, in this area where they're at in the AFC. And today, they only ran the ball 16 times. Yeah. And when they elected to run the ball, it was working like it has for them throughout the course of this year. Right. They averaged four, five and a half yards a carry on the ground today, but only went to it 16 times. That just right there is a recipe that didn't make sense from the standpoint of it. Within their first 15 structured plays, the first eight of them, there was only two runs called. And one of them was a stupid like quarterback keeper that just didn't make any sense. I didn't get that one. They had another fourth down early in the game where they elected to do their version of a tush push. And so they put the backup tight end, Harrison Bryant, under center. Him and the center fumble the snap. So they don't even get the playoff because of the fumble. That just was awful. There was a five wide empty set after they do get a stop next where they get an unblocked rusher in the face of DTR. He's got to dead the ball. I mean, I just didn't understand a lot of what I saw game plan wise. You had a play where David Bell and Elijah Moore were running like towards the ball at the like both like almost fighting each other on who's going to catch the ball. Like these sort of things, these sort of blunders when you're, in the AFC playoff picture, very much right now, Cleveland is. And we had talked about the possibilities of what might be there for Kevin Stefanski and his job security. And if you want to maintain that relevance in that AFC playoff picture, I know the injuries have happened. It's post-Thanksgiving. Everybody's kind of there. But we can't be playing like this at this point in the season. Right. We can't. And then defensively, where you, what has buttered your bread all the way up to this season, Denver just had whatever they wanted today. So there's one play to really define it like easily for me with just watching that game and how everything just seemed to fall apart for them defensively. There was a play where Russell Wilson had his own read to Javante Williams, and he ended up keeping it and rolling out and rushed for like 20 yards down the left sideline, untouched. No one touched him. Left sideline, and he could have gave the ball to Javante Williams because he went right up the middle and no one touched him either. Right. So it didn't matter where they would have ran the ball. It was about to be a first down and a massive gain anyway. I mean, there was the play where a DTR got knocked out. He dropped back from the 20 all the way into the end zone, got hit late. I mean, they tried a double reverse at one point late in the game, and it was like they pitch it to the wide receiver who pitches it to another wide receiver. They fumbled that. The fumble went back 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and Denver recovered it with massive field position. I mean, like all these different things. That culminated just David Njoku dropping a pass, Amari Cooper dropping a, a yeah. two-point conversion. Like, I mean, it, over and over and over again, all these different blunders is what's going to lead to this 17-point deficit. And I just really honestly expected much, much more from right. Cleveland today than what I saw on paper. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I agree with you on that. Um, and, and, you know, it's crazy, too, because the Browns haven't – they haven't really – blundered a game away like they did today. Like, I mean, every mm-hmm. game that they've played so far, even with a couple of their losses, they haven't had a game like this today. So I don't know if it was just kind of like a one-time thing, mm-hmm. you know, or what it, you know, we'll have to look into that as the weeks, as the following weeks go on. But yeah, that was kind of strange for to see that from Cleveland, you know, because mm-hmm. Cleveland has been a pretty, pretty solid team, especially on defense, especially on defense. Offense, we know already, but defense for sure. So yeah, that, that was kind of, that was kind of odd. Yeah, it's kind of odd. Then numbers-wise, the defense has been it's been the talk of the season for a lot of people, especially here on this show. Right. And just today, they didn't look like that unit at all. So that that's mine for the day. Expected a lot more from that squad in this one. 
Move over to the more brighter spots, though, of Sunday, of the week in general. The area where, honestly, we, we really like to spend our areas here is, is giving the props and the praise where it is due and when it is due is the most important part of that. I see you, bro. I see what you're doing out there. I like it. I see what you're doing. I see you. Jay, you have two ICUs today. Who is going to kick off the ICUs this, this evening? So I'm going to start with uh... – I'm going to start with a player on the opposing side of, of Derek Carr's game, man, and that's uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, uh, Jesse Bates, man. I mean, just, just the game he had single-handedly, I feel like he's the reason why Atlanta won today. You know, the pick six, Atlanta couldn't get no points on the board either, you know, but the pick six was huge, man. That was really, really huge. Defense. 92-yard interception return. Yeah, and, and, and they, like I said, they couldn't put touchdowns up, so that was huge. That really switched the momentum for Atlanta. And then they had another momentum switch when he he made um I forgot what forgot what player it was, but he caused a forced fumble, you know, and and he recovered it, you know, and they went up and scored on that play, on that drive. So Atlanta really, you know, this game probably could have went the Saints way because although they weren't able to get the ball in the end zone, they were able to get in the red zone, they was able to kick the field goals and get three, get three, get three, so they could have Saints could have won the game. Yeah, same, like what? Tyron Matthew had two picks today. Yeah, he had yeah. two picks. Ritter is not like I said. Atlanta didn't have a good offensive showing today mm-hmm. at all. Jesse Bates is really single handedly took over this game, man. So that that's my ICU today. Just impressed with him, and and you know it's crazy because we talked about the reason why Cincinnati struggles at times. This is one of the reasons why is because they let go of a real stud in Jesse Bates. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that's that's my ICU today. He was one that we talked about a ton. I've, I mean, I would love to, I've always loved to watch Bates on film because he's so smart. He is so smart. The dude, like, he can recognize passing concepts right out the gate. Like, he recognizes the formation. All he needs to see is the first, like, millisecond of a play and knows exactly what's happening. He can redirect his teammates to go there. We've seen him do that when he was with Cincinnati. And today, the pick six that he had, you had mentioned this in your what's going on about Derek Carr. Carr, right, Carr, tunnel vision on the angle route. And really only normally quarterbacks think they have to read just the whole defender. Bates came all the way from his free safety spot and came all the way down. Never had to break stride because he's like, oh, Carr ain't going to take his eyes off. Him. Might as well just go ahead and take this. But all game long with Jesse Bates, the way he was utilized today as either like a rover in the middle of the field or like a deep lid onto the top of the defense, but so many other times, he was a late add-on blitzer coming from depth and his ability to be able to time his rush and not really tip off the offense at the same time but still be able to affect the play. He had a couple of pressures where he forced Derek Carr to throw the ball away sooner than he wanted to. Right. And there was one that was after the pick six where Jesse came on a late on a late blitz from a deep safety alignment, timed the cadence, went right up a gap. The offensive line didn't account for him. And Carr like looks at him and you see him like just frustrated with Bates. Like, bro, you didn't pick me off. Now you're making me get rid of the ball. You're forcing a yeah. fumble there. Like, bro, like, stop. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You see Carr like nodding at him, like, dude, you again? Like, so like somebody other than number three, please. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely a good one. Jesse Bates. Yeah. Long, long been a fan of him on the Cover Zero podcast here. And another really standout performance and been balling out ever since he arrived there in ATL. Big shout out for him. My ICU today, I got to go with Trevor Lawrence and this Jaguars offense with where they're at right now. 
huge win today against the Texans. That was a very, very important battle, not just for the division, but for also playoff seeding with how good the Texans have been so far. And in the post-game presser today, Trevor Lawrence was asked, like, hey, do you get excited to go play against uh, C.J. Stroud and this Texans team with how good they're doing? And I loved his answer. He's like, honestly, I, 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 I don't, man. I wish these other quarterbacks in our division were bad. <laughs> it's like, I don't want them to be good. He told the truth. Told the <laughs> he told truth. the truth. Exactly. He told the truth. He was dead-ass honest. He, 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 gave him, he, gave, uh, uh, he gave his flowers to that team and to Stroud, you know, that's type of dude Trevor is, but he's like, nah, man, I don't want them to be good. <laughs> he's like, I, I wish they all had, I wish they had a bad quarterback, but they don't got a bad quarterback because CJ's balling over there. Yep. Really like just how he's he's real, but still not like too serious in interviews. And then on the field, these last couple of weeks is really what stood out to me. He's over the last two games, Trevor Lawrence's 68% completion percentage, 8.9 yards per attempt, six touchdowns. He did throw an interception today. That was his lone turnover over the last two contests. But on that one, there was a blatant holding call by Jalen Petrie. The rest chose to swallow their whistle, whatever it happens. We see bad calls all the time. He's only been sacked once and thrown for almost, but thrown for 626 passing yards in those two contests. The other, there was a, the other part of this, this offense that I wanted to bring up, why I didn't want to just keep it strictly to him, is how they've just decided to utilize Calvin Ridley. Calvin just Ridley. A I, knew, little bit I, knew, better. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Yeah. yeah. Just, just using him just a little bit better. Because for so long, they was just like, okay, you go be the X and the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And, of course, teams are going to account for Calvin Ridley because when, when Zay Jones was out, they didn't really have another guy they could line up on the numbers that could deliver any type of sort of reliability because you got to play Kirk in the slot and then you got the tight end. It was Ingram who's, you know, underneath, you know, speedy, speedy type of guy, but they were missing another outside receiver. And now in the last couple of weeks, they've just not done anything to break the bank, but just made it a little bit easier. Like we see so many smart offensive coordinators do for yep. their ace and the touchdown that he had today in the third quarter, the third quarter is actually where they really got him going because he didn't even have a grab prior. That's what I was going to say because he wasn't really that – he wasn't balling out the first two quarters. You no, know, he wasn't. The announcers actually kind of brought it up and said, you know, they brought up Calvin Ridley. They didn't say, oh, the Jaguars is not using him. But in the lines of that, they kind of they, – they, mm -hmm. they threw it out there. And it yeah. seemed like right after they said that, it was the next quarter, the third quarter mm -hmm. going into the second half. Yeah, he started, he started to ball out. Yeah, right in the third quarter. I think it was off the bat. The first play of the third quarter – for the Jaguars offensively, it's just out of base personnel. It's a deep drop at a, at, off a of play action, and he hits Ridley on a deep post. After that, they got into the red zone a little bit later, and Ridley had – he caught the touchdown, and he caught the two-point conversion. And the touchdown was kind of an example of it was what I was talking about with the different – not just – like just different ways to use him. They put him and Christian Kirk in a bunch, and then they switch release him off the line. But when they switch release him, he pull he pushes inside hard, but stems outside and then breaks back to the inside on his slant route. So basically, Tavier Thomas and Steven Nelson, the corner on that side, they had to banjo the release. So they pass it off at the line of scrimmage. So the guy just stays inside. But then he's basically like, OK, he's going from outside to inside to outside to inside. That's just as a man corner. That's hard. To, that's just really hard to do. Against a receiver like that, and he and you know he got the touchdown pass, but the two point conversion, that was just an ISO against Steven Nelson. He hit him with this foot fire release, 
everybody listening, foot fire release, you come off the line, it's when your feet lay like, like, like drums, and then you break it over the middle. He hit him with that. Steven Nelson didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do. Yeah. Just sat on his heels and just, oh, shit, wide open. So, yeah, that was pretty nasty. And just seeing Lawrence being able to make these types of plays and all this stuff that he had going for him today, there would have been a big, there would have been more yardage today, more than 364 had Christian Kirk not dropped this rail route where Trevor threw him open, like threw him open because he recognized the coverage was on the top of it. So he took a little bit off of it and put it inside because the corner was on top with his back to him. And Kirk just dropped that one. There was another drop by uh, the backup running back Johnson today. And Ingram had a drop early in the first quarter. So, I mean, his adjusted completion percentage, which PFF tracks, would be a lot higher than it's actually going to be. His yardage total would have been a lot higher. But this Jaguars offense still still clicking, still clicking. And that game was a crazy one. I mean, just how it came down to the end of it. Yeah. A game of inches, like Al Pacino said. A game of inches. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But, yeah, today, yeah. Jaguars offense, I see you indeed. I see you indeed. Good win. And sticking with these Jaguars, who are you closing us out with? I'm gonna close us out with the with, with the guy on the other side of the ball, man. Gotta go. We gotta get it love. You gotta get some love to the defense, man. Josh Allen, not Josh Allen, the quarterback. We all know Josh Allen, the pass rusher, number forty-one. Mm-hmm. He balled out, bro. He balled out. And you know really one did. thing I really liked about him is when they really needed him to show up. His pressures. The sack, the clutch sack that he had in this game to really close out versus C.J. Stroud was huge. Because C.J. Mm-hmm. Stroud's been ball. I mean, we, we've been talking about him and and how he's been clutch over these last few weeks. So when they got that touchdown and then they got the ball back again with a couple more minutes to go, it was enough time for C.J. Stroud in Houston. Oh, yeah. To we, really we've seen C.J. go march down with like with, yeah. with half with of that nothing. time, like 48 yeah. seconds left. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. there's plenty of time. Yeah, and, and you know, so for Josh Allen just say, you know, this is not going to happen. I'm about to get my next sack right here was really, really impressive. And, again, it wasn't even – I mean, he was opening lanes for the other defense, the, the other defense alignment as well because when he was getting that, that pressure, it was collapsing that whole side that he was on, bro. So it was allowing the, 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 the defensive tackles and the other DNs to really get in there and just, just put more even more pressure on C.J. Stroud. So yeah, I was I was just impressed, bro. I was really mm-hmm. really impressed because we've seen him play well. We've seen right. him play well. I mean, he he's definitely not a bust or anything like that. But we haven't seen too many clutch plays. This is one of the ones I could say he he closed the game out for the Jaguars. He did. And and you know, Trevor Lawrence and offense played well. Obviously, they put the points up. He got to put points up to win. I get all of that. But it could have. I mean, when 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 you got a team like the Texans with the ball. The last team to have the ball, you know, especially if they only yeah. need a touchdown. I mean, anything could happen, especially with C.J. Stroud being able to be able to do that. We've seen in the last couple of weeks. Josh mm-hmm. Allen wasn't having it, man. So he finished the day off with four tackles, two and a half sacks. Uh, he just he played well, man. And, again, the stats don't really say much. You've got to really go back and watch how he played, especially at the end of the game. That will tell you everything right there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, my second one is Josh Allen. He today, two other things. The one stat that I think does emulate more of his impact throughout this course of the game was his pressures. He had 12 yeah. pressures today. Mm-hmm. 12. That's three a quarter, yeah. right? That, that Three a quarter. Like, yeah. you just – you'd make an impact happen. There was a play where they they sent a, uh, they sent a five-man pressure, and Foye Aluakon, a linebacker, he they put, jo- they put Josh Allen out at a wide nine, right? And he was in a three-point stance. 
and Foyer comes into like right over the B gap. And so he's like mugged up in the B gap and the defensive tackles in the A gap. The center for the, for the Texans, for reasons I don't know, he slides to the other side. So he's blocking nobody. And then you got Foyer though, smartly, the back comes into the back comes in, Singletary comes in, recognizes the blitz, but it's so it's a, it's basically a three on three. But Foyer's pressure up the middle, he purposely widens once he makes contact with Singletary and and just takes a chunk, just takes a chunk of the arm of Laramie Tunzel, the left tackle, and that allowed Josh to come from his angle and then get a pressure on CJ and force an incomplete. So those are the different like types of areas where you're talking about maybe he wasn't making a sack, but he was making the impact and he was doing damage. Yeah. And then there was another play where, who was it, the defensive tackle number 95, blanking on his name right now he's got a hyphenated last name but obviously big dude for jacksonville where he got a sack on stroud uh, stroud rolled out of the pocket broke contain and josh was coming in on a bull rush on tunzel he put tunzel on his ass like like just like tunzel Laramie tunzel is has been one of my favorite pass blocking tackles in the nfl for the last several years he is exceptional at that and today there were so many plays where Josh Allen just whooped him, just straight up whooped him. And that was really, really impressive to see. His long arm was working. He was he was doing really good with his speed rush. I mean, his his arsenal was there. And it's 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 very it's very evident it's a contract year for him right now. Yeah. They had talked there was talks about whether or not they were gonna sign him long term if he was in those type of plans. I think right now they have to sign this guy going forward to next year to have that type of pass rusher. They haven't seen what they hoped they would see from Trayvon Walker up to this point, right. taking him number one overall. So you do have a guy over there who is really delivering on that defensive line. And with his, with that second sack, that one you're talking about in the fourth quarter on Stroud, he passed Yannick Ngakwe for second on the Jaguars all-time list for the most sacks. The guy who's on the, I think it's, I forget the name of the dude who's at the top of the list, but he was a Jaguar for eight seasons. And so Josh is already, he's, he's less than 30 away already. And he's had 38 total for his career. So number two all time. Yeah. Number two. If they hold on to him. If they hold on to him, they got to give him that second contract for him to do it. And I think, I mean, if, if Balky's got half a brain, I think he, I think he's got to do it. Yeah. So sure. Yeah, it was a good Sunday. It was a good weekend of football. Had football on Thursday, Friday, Saturday with college, of course, and then Sunday today. So uh, we are winding down to that point, man. We're, we're getting there. It's post-Thanksgiving ball. It's cold outside. Yeah, fact. Stuff's starting to get really important right now. Keep it locked here to Cover Zero Podcast, and we'll keep you all updated.